Look, America isn't a democracy. It's not majority rule. This is a country ruled by the people who want power more than other people want power. That's America. That's the way it's always been. In America, power goes to the people who want it the most and to the people who know exactly what they want to do with their power. You're listening to The David Feldman Show, you happy, self-actualized hump. Now, America used to be ruled by the 1%. Now it's ruled by the top 1% of the 1%. And why is that? Because the top 1% of the 1% wants it more than everyone else. They want it more. They want it more than you want free health care, free tuition at public universities, a livable wage, and an end to permanent war. They want their power and money more than you than you want these things. They want money and they want power and they want it more than everyone else. And they know exactly how to get it. They invent propaganda machines like Fox News or AM talk radio, along with all those think tanks. And of course, they keep a Republican Party going that couldn't care less what the American people think, because the Republicans can gerrymander, voter suppress and steal their way into elective office. And when these people and I'm using the term people generously, when they have their power, they know how to keep it by using it. They destroy unions, drill our oceans for oil. They open up public lands for mining. They sell weapons to autocrats, subsidize fossil fuel companies, give tax breaks to themselves and strangle the 99% social safety net to create a desperate workforce that will take whatever crumbs the five richest families are throwing at them. They know what they're doing because they know what they want. They know exactly what they want. More power, more money. And they will win every time. And things will continue to get worse in America unless we, the people, play the same exact game. Because in America, money and power trumps everything else. You want kindness? Tough. The people with all the money and power stole that from you. You want a quiet life with just enough? The people with money and power have commodified quiet. They have commodified just enough. Now you have to spend a fortune on the simple things that make life worth living. It now costs a lot of money not to care about money. You want a roof over your head? Remember when just having a roof over your head was a given? Remember that? Washington, like America, is money and power. And Bernie Sanders gets that. Katie Porter gets that. Elizabeth Warren gets that. And here in America, money and power is now a zero-sum game. It's a zero-sum game. In other words, when the richest 1% of the richest 1% take power, they take all of it. They take all the money from us. And we need to play the same game and take it all back. Yes, there is plenty of money and power to go around for everyone. 
Yes, if we all shared the wealth and power, everyone in this country would be taken care of. We're fighting a deadly, psychotic, sociopathic enemy, the richest of the rich, and they want it all. They want all of it. They've turned it into a zero-sum game, so we have to fight a zero-sum game, too, because they're going to win. They want it all. They're coming for our libraries, our parks, our playgrounds, our public schools, our air, our water. They want to take everything away that we own and then sell it back to us. You have to fight these people. You can't coexist with billionaires peacefully. I'm trying to fight them peacefully, politically. Because you cannot coexist with billionaires. Either we eradicate the billionaires or they eradicate us. It's that simple. It is a fight for our survival. You can call it whatever you want. Socialism, democracy, social democracy, democratic socialism. I call it patriotism. Love of country, which means love your neighbor making sure that everyone has a say in how our taxes get spent. Participatory budgeting. America is, is insane. It is insane, and it is getting worse. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. We keep thinking, when does the fever break? It doesn't. The fever is the point. When I watch Fox News, I used to think, I can't believe what I'm seeing. I can't believe what I'm hearing. Now it's like, yeah, I get it. This is the whole point of it. Uh, you know, after a mass shooting, Ted Cruz says we need more guns. That used to be insane. After January 6th, the official, after January 6th, the official Republican statement after January 6th was, quote unquote, January 6th was legitimate political discourse. That is the official policy of the Republican Party, that January 6th was legitimate political discourse. This is psychosis. And when you're dealing with this level of depravity, this insanity, there's no bottom. It's it's bottomless. Republicans will not get better. They will just get worse and worse and worse. And it will continue to get worse because they are a cancer. Billionaires are a cancer and they spread their cancer through, through places like Fox News. And I'm not putting it all on Fox News. They're the think tanks like Heritage, Cato, American Enterprise, the Federalist Society that provide a phony intellectual undergirding to all this fascism. In fact, Fox News is the least of it. It's it's useful because at least Fox has something resembling transparency. It's out in the open. You can watch it and see what the mind meld is. But, you know, with or without Fox News, with or without Rupert Murdoch, the richest one percent of the richest one percent are going to continue to foist their insanity upon us until we take it from them. Money and power. We have to take their money and power. My advice, don't argue with these people because would you argue with a rabid dog? What do you do with a rabid dog? You protect yourself from it and then 
send it to a farm, send it to a farm. Uh, That's how we have to treat Republicans, people who watch Fox News, Rupert Murdoch. Take it from them. He's not even an American citizen, Rupert Murdoch. He bought his American citizenship. The guy who's screaming about immigrants creates an entire network trashing immigrants is an immigrant. Uh, Don't fight. Don't fight. Do what Dominion is doing. Sue. Take their money and their power. Meanwhile, Rupert Murdoch uh, could testify next week in this trial. He's in his 90s and has recently suffered a broken back, seizures, two bouts of pneumonia, long COVID, atrial fibrillation, and a torn Achilles tendon. And that's sad uh, because considering the damage he's done to America, one would wish his ailments were far worse. Rupert's two-week engagement to Ann Leslie Smith, a dental hygienist, was broken off suddenly last week. Well, you know what they say, Rupert, unlucky in love, lucky in dropping dead soon. It was a rape factory. Fox News under Roger Ailes was a rape factory. You're listening to The David Feldman Show, you happy, self-actualized hump. Dr. Harriet Fraud joins us. Thank God. Thank God for Dr. Fraud. She is the host of Capitalism Hits Home, and it's not just in your head. She is also on WBAI here in Manhattan, Tuesday nights, I believe, at 630. It is indeed. And we will find out who you host your shows with later on. Dr. Fraud is a hypno therapist, a psychotherapist, and she helps her patients filter their neuroses, paranoia and anger through the prism of the economic system. We're forced to endure, survive. I'm sorry. As Bill, I, I take into consideration the political and economic, but also the personal. It, it, right. It may not be your mother and father. Right. It, it may be your your government and your economy. Exactly. Uh, and if it is your mother and father, it's the economy and government that made them behave a certain way. I, I think yeah. I look at, uh, you know, my family of origin and immigrants and the abuse and the fear and the paranoia and the anger and uh, America is a kind country to certain immigrants, but only so kind to certain immigrants. And there's a a lie that gets foisted back on immigrants who think it's their fault. They they thought a door had been opened and it turns out it wasn't. And they're gaslit into thinking the door was open uh, and and it drives you crazy and it makes you lash out either yourself or your loved ones. Uh, let me ask you about lashing out. It, it, it does feel that it's easier to lash out at the people closest to you than the people who are truly damaging you. But it, yes. also, it, but it also feels like uh, sometimes the people closest to you are doing more damage to you than capitalism. Well, sometimes, look, they're both operating, but capitalism is harder to get back at. 
And also people tend to lash out at people who are safe enough that they won't be abandoned. And your family often will be safe enough so that they won't abandon you. And they're closer. You know, it's one of the reasons that child abuse goes way down at age six because the kid is out of the house at school for a lot of the day and can also run. But they're around on whom, they're people around on whom you can act out your frustrations instead of thinking those people closest are to be cherished the most. It's so human, human beings are, are all angry, right? There is, there, there is we anger. Some anger. I'm sorry? We all, we all have some anger. We're not all overwhelmingly angry, but we all have some anger. And people in the United States have been abandoned by their government. They've been abandoned by a promise that is no longer held out for them, even if they're white and male. And they are lost and angry and sad. You know, it's a depressed people. That's why we're not growing any taller. That's why we die younger. And that's why our children, uh, you know, we have higher infant mortality, even than a a little country that takes care of its people like Cuba. Mm -hmm. I mean, we are sicker. Because we're depressed, and we're depressed. there is no outlet here. There There's is what? no, there is no viable social outlet for your anger. A socialist party, a communist party, an anarchist party, something that is an embracing party that takes care of climate, sexism, racism, class division, union support, all of those things where you can go and you can know that there's, you can address it in a spiritual connection with other people bigger than yourself in a cause that is ennobling. Right. It, it's a little bit like, you know, people like to go to church. They feel there's something bigger than themselves. There's something that cares out there. Well, that's right. what a movement can do. Right. I don't, they, I, I don't travel. I, I, I've never really been to the islands. I would assume most islands have been colonized either by the the French, the British, the Portuguese, the Spanish or America and destroyed. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if you go to uh, an island that hasn't been destroyed by Western culture, I don't know if they exist. Find one. Yeah. Would would we see we would still see anger and rage, of course. We would see some anger and rage, but certain crimes don't happen. For example, in the island of Tahiti, there was no rape till the missionaries got there and made people feel ashamed. Mm -hmm. There are forms of sexual rage that don't happen until people are repressed. But everyone has some anger. But... Not everyone feels betrayed. However, I did go to Martinique one year, and the people's servile, right behind their servility, is a hatred that is palpable. Right. Feel right. it. Now, a Tor- lot of Towards the West, not, not, t- among, not towards each other, but towards... Not necessarily the ter- towards each other, but towards the people they, they have to serve to make a living. Right. Who colonize their islands. 
Now, you're a founding mother of women's liberation, the second wave. You've talked yeah. about your daughter standing up for herself, working yeah. as a, working as a waitress and dealing with entitled men and who are harassing her uh, emotionally and in, in some sexually. ways se- sexually harassing uh, her. And she stands up for herself. Yes, she does. But we're trained not to stand up for ourselves. We get mixed messages, as I think I know in America, it's don't fight, don't argue, don't make trouble, let it go, don't don't get upset. You're, it, it, it's it, it's not yeah. that important. How do where do you find the line? Uh, let's start with women. When should women internalize the violation and, you know, walk it off, as they say? Or when should when are they allowed? When is a woman allowed to say, F you, I'm not taking it. And for men, when what, what is how do you know when to stand up for yourself and how to internalize it? Well, some when, of it is the physical danger. Physical I mean, danger. When, yeah. when my daughter worked in the bar, I mean, she had a whole staff around her. They all supported each other. And so it, men would try to gain a moment of ascendancy by sexually humiliating her. Right. And so she felt very free to humiliate them. Now, generally, they did nothing about it. They were in shock. So uh, she told me that one guy leaned over the bar and said, hey, do you want to hear a joke that'll make your tits get hard? (laughs) She stared at his crotch and she said, you want to hear a joke that'll make your penis shrivel? Ah, you heard it already, right? Great. So that's great. She would turn it around on them and they'd be so confused that the Humiliation of a woman didn't produce the ascendancy they hoped, but rather their humiliation. And so that, and if they were with a friend that they were showing off to, the friends would laugh at them. Mm -hmm. She felt safe. But she also told me that some guy reached out to pinch her and she grabbed him by the neck and threw him up against the building and then thought, holy shit. What if he fights for that? Wow. Well, that's I forgot that you are you're you you know jujitsu. What do you what is I was a karate champion at some point in my life. She wasn't, but she you know, she realized no no this is not a good choice. And so she let go of him and walked away. You have to sort of know that you're physically safe, but also take them by surprise. Right. And also they're totally insane, you know, walk on by. Right. Because just get away from this person because they're insane. Before we get to Clarence Thomas, speaking of insane, uh, and yeah. his wife. Yes. I mean, Ginny Thomas is clinically. Anyway, I uh, we'll talk about that in a second, an abortion. One of the myths about Marx, Marxists or socialists is they don't want nice things. And and one of the things we've learned is what what are you talking about? Of course Bernie Sanders has a va- has a vacation home. Uh 
socialists and Marxists want nice things. They don't want everybody. That's the difference. We want nice things and we want everyone to have them. Look, Marx and Engels had a wine correspondence. They both loved Burgundy. Okay. Just because you want a just world where everyone gets to share great stuff doesn't mean that you believe in Christian sacrifice. Look at that guy, Jesus, you know, up on the cross, forget it. And nobody was saved either. Forget it. Right. Right. You know, Sacrifice is a Christian thing, right. not a Marxist thing. But I, I hear snide comments from people who are yeah. ill-informed. Oh, the Marxist goes on a vacation. Oh, yeah, the Mar- of course the Marxist goes on. That's the point of being a Marxist. That's right, to have a vacation for everyone, right. not to deny yourself. That idea of Christian sacrifice, and that is not, that's Christianity, that's Worshipping all those saints who got shot full of our arrows and had their eyes plucked out. That's right. That whole S&M crew that you learn about in Catholic Church. Oh, my God. No. I, I think that a lot of Americans were brainwashed into thinking that because we saw poverty coming out of Cuba. We saw poverty coming out of Russia when the communists took over. We didn't see the poverty that Batista created before Castro. Or the czar. Or or the czar, yeah. You know, China, for all its problems, has taken 800 million people out of poverty and 90% of people own their own homes. I'm not saying it's it's paradise either, but really, they don't believe in poverty. Right. Henry Henry Huckamacki, who introduced me to you, made an interesting point. He said, whenever they say capitalism lifted billions of people or millions of people out of uh, poverty, they're they're counting China when they say that. If you take China out of the equation, then uh, capitalism lifted. <laughs> no, but put more people. Right. Also, China is a mix. It's right. partly capitalist and partly socialist. It's, it's its own mix. So when you create a a Marxist collective, when people form this kibbutz, Israel was founded by socialists and they had kibbutz and collectives and people working together. There are egos. There are dishonest people. There are violent people, aggressive people. People take things that don't belong to them. Uh, yeah, that's, we weren't brought up to share that way. We really weren't. And so people don't necessarily know how to behave. And everyone needs boundaries. Everybody. The, the, the kibbutz uh, in Israel, from what I've read, and I don't follow this enough, they it's dying off. They've become more businesses, industries. Yeah. They make things yeah. that... Because uh, it's a kibbutz within a settler colonialism, which is pretty uh, scary, and a kibbutz within a capitalist country, and they can't survive very well. You know, they hire Arabs to do a lot of the agricultural work. That's not a real kibbutz. It's not a real co-op. Do, do we see any examples in the United States of collectives, physical Collectives. Was it Sinclair Lewis? I want to say Sinclair Lewis in New Jersey uh, tried to form one. I'm getting my Sinclairs and my Lewises mixed up. Do do we have it? 
the Azermendi bakeries and delis in California are owned collectively, and everyone gets a good salary no matter what job they have. And that's been viable for about 20 years. There are some successful co-ops. The Humboldt, California co-op, the whole city is a co-op. It's amazing. They have their own bank and everything, along with a Native American group, uh, so that there are these successful co-ops all over the place. They're just not touted very much in the media, but there there are successful co-ops all around. And I'll change the subject, but a worker-owned co-op, theoretically, when an airline becomes worker-owned, it could, with the right guidance from a, a labor department that cared about workers, when you bail out a, 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 an airline or a car company and it becomes worker-owned, can it be a collective? Can it be well, worker-owned is not the same as a co-op because if right. workers stocks, it doesn't mean that they make the decision of what to produce, how to produce it, and how to run it. That's what a real co-op does. And but if you're given stock, if, if workers are given stock and, and shares, voting shares in the corporation, which I, I think at one time Eastern, they tried to make Eastern Airlines worker-owned, or I can't remember, but... If it were truly worker owned, where the workers had stock and voting shares, uh, I guess the the workers who had more stock would have more votes. Uh, There's no way to turn a corporation into a a co-op. Well, there is, but worker ownership just means that they own the stocks. It doesn't mean that they run it. In the province of Emilia-Romana in Italy, if in that province, if your company or your factory, whatever, goes out of business, the government will give you three years of unemployment up front if you invest and make it into a co-op. Right. And you have more co-ops there than anywhere else in Italy. There's that whole area, Mondragon, in Spain, which has 104 co-ops grouped together as a city. And those co-ops run the whole show. Right. And one of the things I've always heard working in America is uh, this is fascism. I'm the boss. You do what I say. Right. Uh, go, go form a, a co-op, uh, a worker owned, you know, but it's, it's going to fail because in the end, one man, usually one man, not a woman. This is what I've heard has to make the decisions, the tough decisions. We're not going to vote on this. What I say goes. I mean, when I at every television show I worked on, there was one man, occasionally a woman, actually, but mostly one man in charge. It's my way or the highway until he gets the highway and another person comes in and he says, it's my way or the highway. And they That's think a capitalist that, organization, though. Right. It's very different to have a cooperative organization that has to decide collectively. Like when but, it, I was, but it's axiomatic. They, you know, they will say that this is the only way you can succeed. But it's not true. I mean, one right. of the reasons there are those 104 co-ops at Mondragon, Mondragon is the seventh most successful corporation in Spain. And it's a co-op. Right. And they elect representatives who can be um, unelected 
after a couple of months. They also elect people to represent them. And what they do in every, it's, it's 104 smaller co-ops. I visited this big Fregor co-op that made refrigerators, dishwashers, and so on. And they were putting dishwasher parts into dishwashers and a buzzer went off because if you do repetitive jobs in that, they have voted that you can't do them for more than two hours. It's not good for you. So then people change jobs. And I asked the person, you know, I said, look, there's a recession. I went there in 2009. They said, that's right. And we're not getting as many orders. So we met and decided, do we want to work one day less and get paid less? Do we want to let people go so they have to work in another co-op? How can we deal with this? And they decided to work a day less and get paid less. Okay, that's a co-op. Right. When they decide what to produce, how to produce it. And when I said, well, what do you do with one of the people on your in your co-op is an alcoholic and comes to work drunk and doesn't do his or her their share? And they said, well, first we talk to the person. That works almost all the time. Otherwise, we send them away to a rehab. And there hasn't, and that only in one person in our whole history, since the 1930s, I think it is, has not come back and been a regular good partner and not an alcoholic with the support of the group. Great. Well, uh, let's talk about Jim Crow's son, Harlan Crow. Yes. Really bad guy. Like, how bad is Harlan Crow? And he seems to be the benefactor to the Thomases, wants to build a... Gets his money's worth. Look, he has Thomas voting against abortion and Harlan, one of Harlan Harlan Crow's pet projects is destroy abortion rights. And he's got a willing person right there. All he had to do is bribe him with money that doesn't matter to him. Right. Meanwhile, four other offenses came down on Clarence Thomas, who didn't, who reported income from a corporation that doesn't exist, and uh, says that he didn't know he had to accept a lot of these gifts. Uh, things are coming in every week. He says he he says he didn't know that he had to declare this. And I didn't know that I had to declare that. And I'm not the first one to point this out. But if you don't know what you're supposed to, if you don't know the the law, you have the wrong job. And and we all knew that he was lying about Anita Hill as a man, you know, we all, all, every man knew that Clarence Thomas was lying about Anita Hill the same way every man said about Bill Clinton. Of course, he lied about a blowjob. Sure. He, he lied under oath about a blowjob. That's what men do. And when you watched him stonewall and lie about Anita Hill, every man said, of course, he's lying but it's okay because he's going to bring down the whole patriarchy if he comes clean. He's a liar. Deciding. All oh. men were deciding on Anita Hill, including Biden. Right. And they all sat, decided that he was innocent. 
or they knew he was a per- they they knew he was a perjurer, but they were saying you got to draw a line someplace. You can't dig up the past. We're all you know silent Ted Kennedy. Right. You start going through people's laundry. We're all going down. But he is a liar. He is somebody who truly is a liar. So it should not surprise us that he got away with it on national television, called it a high tech lynching and then proceeded for the next 30 years to lie about his finances. And he's the only one. He's so right wing. He was the only justice that voted that you can beat prisoners who are shackled. He did? Yes, he did. He voted that that's okay. He was the only one, so it didn't pass. No, he has voted consistently, consistently to oppress his own and people and everyone else without money. Now, and he is a disgrace. You know, when you look at his autobiography, I, I, there were, I grew up around Holocaust survivors. And I, I think slavery and Jim Crow and the Holocaust cannot be compared or contrasted, but they're both tragic and you have to give people some leeway from where they came. And and there's no question that Clarence Thomas came out of an oppressive Jim Crow South drinking from these fountains. There was no plumbing in his home. He is a victim of America. I grew up with some victims of the Holocaust. And at some point you can you in order for society to thrive and survive, you cannot continue to make excuses for a Holocaust survivor. At some time you have you have to say, you know what, you're a you're a P.O.S., And maybe you survived the Holocaust because you are a POS. Maybe you did things that other people weren't willing to do. But it doesn't fly here in where God is. God wasn't at Auschwitz, but he is here or she's here or it's here. Uh, And you got to get in line and uh, you are a human being among human beings here. And there are boundaries to your behavior. Right. Unfortunately, in the family, there's no boundaries to what people do to their kids often. But whatever, there are legal boundaries here. And I and think Clarence Thomas, I think his experience at Yale with affirmative action and the racism, I think it made him sick. I think it traumatized him as well it should. And I think he's never recovered from the trauma of where he came from and how he was treated. And he lashes out at at the wrong people. Well, I think he's an opportunist and that he got a lot of benefit for being brown when they were trying to look better and more liberal than they are. And I also think that you can't be allowed to abuse people just because you've been abused. Right. That fly. Or you perpetuate the abuse. And he also sold out his sisters, sold out his mother to get ahead himself. And he got where he was through affirmative action and then tried to take it away from everyone else. Right, right. 
It doesn't matter. Look, everybody has their injuries. You cannot perpetrate them on other people. That's out of bounds. And he's out of bounds. And he ought to be stopped. He's an unethical, crooked guy. And he has no business on the Supreme Court. And they ought to have ethical standards. And the same legal standards everybody else does. That's a disgrace. Right, right. What do they care about abortion? I mean, what the Harlan Crow? Uh, what, what are they? Is it a is it truly a religious belief? What, what do they care about? What it's that it? I think what every fascist government just restricts women to childbearing and household and taking care of men and children, Kirche, Kuche, and Kinder in Hitler's Germany, kitchen, church, and children, because you get half the population to deny the other half and use them as servants. You divide people in half. It really helps not have a resistance if you've divided people. And the Republicans are all into division, men against women, blacks against white, heteros against non-heteros, whatever, Jews against Christians, Christians against Jews. The idea is to divide the population because what we have for justice is a mass of people. They have the money. We have, we keep the society going and we are the mass of people and they try to divide us. And what a big divide is to get half the population against the other and using the servants. Right. And that's what's in it for them. That's the fascist program. Right. Right. You know, they say there's a, a line from The Simpsons. I think Krusty the Clown said, oops, I, I said the quiet thing out loud, like the thing you're not supposed to say. And, and that's become a, a meme. I said the quiet thing out loud. And during COVID, uh, when they were talking about the, the, the tax credits and giving money to Americans, The Republicans said the quiet thing out loud, that if we continue to give Americans, uh, uh, subsidize them and they won't they will not work. They will they will stay home, that we have to make life so miserable for Americans that they will they will go to work. They they won't work. That's right. And I, I heard them say that. And I thought. Wow, you're actually saying we're decimating a social safety net as part of population control to get cheap workers. I've never heard people actually say that. They're not embarrassed anymore. Just like they're not embarrassed to take NRA funds and have videos at their convention where all the Republicans were in March who are running for uh, 2024 to show happy videos of six-year-olds handling their guns. You know, when it's they're nakedly on the take, they have George Soros, known liar and criminal, sitting there. Oh, George Santos. George Santos. Yes, George Santos. Right. Yeah. Just sitting there. There is no shame anymore. The ethics expectations are erased. Trump did that. Yeah. Now he has five uh, court cases coming up, but it took Stormy Daniels to break the shield of invisibility, you know, of total omnipotence around the guy. He said, I could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and nothing would be done. Before we before we go, before we go, we were having a conversation 
last week about sex workers. You just brought up Stormy Daniels. And as the as a founding mother of women's lib, sex workers, we had a bunch of men talking and I, I had asked men uh, whether uh, that do I was going to say happy endings, but I don't want, want to make a joke. Do sex work? Does it ever end well for sex workers and strippers? And is, you know, there's a because I'm not familiar. uh, You always think, okay, a stripper is a stripper because of trauma. A sex worker is a sex worker. She needs the money. And that's the only area women get paid when they're not educated. And, And can it work? Can a sex worker, uh, you know, if you legalize sex work and make it above board, get rid of the pimps and try to get rid of the abuse, can it be made safe? Are there places? Because I was disappointed to discover that the red light district in Amsterdam, it turns out, is a source of human trafficking and it's not a safe place. Well, there are some people who manage to be call girls, get a certain amount of money are in charge of their schedule and do okay. But the average life expectancy for a prostitute in the United States is 34 years old. So it doesn't usually end well. So you don't encourage people to become sex workers? I wouldn't encourage people to be. It's a very dangerous job. But you can mitigate and alleviate the conditions. If you are in control of it and you manage to keep your emotions out of it and you select your clients, you can make a good living with very little work. And it's work. However, it's within the kind of social structure of the United States. It's very dangerous. Thirty-four, The average age of death, 34 years old. Right. Did the, did the, did, did, uh, the Soviet Union figure anything out? Did, did Lenin, Stalin, did they figure well, anything out? At what at first, these revolutions didn't stigmatize sexual behavior of any kind. Cuba didn't either. And so that people can be a prostitute if they want to, and they're not spat upon, and hopefully the men aren't so guilty that they beat them up in order to feel better afterwards. But, you know, sex is such a morally freighted area in the United States that it's not a safe profession. Right. Very quickly, we're we're pretty much out of time. The abortion pill, where do you see it a year from now? I think it will be allowed because... 600 pharmaceutical executives signed a petition in support of it and in support of let the FDA ruling stand. Otherwise, all their products that they sell are endangered. And once you interfere with big pharma, you've got an enemy. Right. They may not care about women's rights, but I think they'll weigh in on that one. On their profits. Yeah. Great point. Yeah. So. Dr. Harriet Fraud is the host of It's Not Just in Your Head. 
Capitalism Hits Home. You can listen to her Tuesday nights at 6.30 on WBAI here in Manhattan. And who do you host your shows with? Liam Tate and Ikoi Hero. Fantastic. And how do people contact you? On my website, harrietfraud.com or hfraud at gmail.com. And fraud is F-R-A-A-D. We should call this segment, Thank God It's Dr. Fraud. Okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I'll see you next week. Uh, but thank you. <laughs> we love you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. You're listening to The David Feldman Show, you happy, self-actualized hump.